，鬼岛之音。Ghost Island Media。Hi, I'm Nature Nate, and this is the Waste Not Why Not podcast on how not to save the environment. I'm an environmental researcher based in Taiwan, working on energy, ocean, and waste issues because I hate people. Every day, my Facebook and Instagram feed is filling with more and more babies. It just reminds me of our climatic doom. Today. We're gonna cut through some of the bullshit on why climate activists hate the idea of people and think that population control is the correct and the only answer to climate change. I used to go to zoo camp every year because my parents needed a break from me. <laughs> There's a lot of time on the bus going around the zoo, and the the instructors use that time to educate you about environmental issues, not just like how cool rhinos are. And during one of their facilitated talks, they had each of us pick an environmental problem. Some kids were water pollution, some kids were air pollution. I was slash and burn agriculture, which I knew from my zoo camp was a number one way to harm orangutans and other, you know, jungle dwelling creatures. And so, when the instructors asked us who we thought amongst us was the worst, I raised my hand and I said, "It's slash and burn agriculture, obviously." They said I was wrong and they pointed to two other kids who happened to be twins, and said that this is the problem. This is the root of all of our environmental problems. It's overpopulation. There's just too many people on Earth. Didn't always freak out about there being too many humans on Earth. In fact, for most of human history, people just died constantly. They died as babies. They died as adults. They were murdering each other. But then, somewhere around the 1800s, this guy Thomas Robert Malthus had some ideas. He was an 18th-century English cleric. Malthus's core concept was that as food production grows, population would grow to match it, and there would always be this race. But inevitably, population would win out, and then there would be scarcity of food. And then when that happens, there would be war and conflict and disease and strife. And so, from his perspective, even if we raise living standards, we'll just keep getting more people. Therefore, he thinks that this is a situation created by God to teach people to be virtuous. To limit population growth, we must practice abstinence, but never sodomy, and also never contraception. So after Malthus, there were a couple of world wars, and a lot of people died, and things were not super great. But after World War II, we have boomers. There are a lot of people being born. And there's this professor, Paul Ehrlich, who publishes a book called *The Population Bomb*. He says that overpopulation is the root of environmental evils, and for the next 30 years, this way of thinking fuses environmentalism and overpopulation.
Then in 1972, another major report would come out from the Club of Rome called The Limits to Growth. And they said pretty much the same thing, but they had a calculation. In their computer models, inevitably, as population grows, there will be some kind of societal collapse. Both of these theses, thesi, rely on an equation which is basically population times technology equals environmental destruction. For both of these groups and and researchers, since technology is limited and fundamentally bad, the only way to save the environment is to limit people. Because we cannot change our lifestyles, the only thing that we can control is how many children we have. The first experiment of this was China's one-child policy. The People's Republic of China. That China's one-child policy started in 1979 and went until 2016. Every family could only have one child unless they were the child of a one-child family. Women were encouraged to stay in their careers longer, to have children later. There was also encouragement for abortions. During that time, China's population went from 0.9 billion people to 1.4 billion people. The population growth rate was cut in half. That was a lot of people still. The purpose of the one-child policy, they say, was to limit environmental impacts, to ensure stable economic development, and to just ensure the prosperity of the Chinese state. Officially, Beijing claims that the one-child policy was a success and that it helped reduce carbon emissions. But since this is the Chinese government, it's probably not true. Between 1990 and 2007, sort of peak one-child policy, CO2 emissions increased by over 50% in just one decade, while population growth during that time period was only 8.5%. Population is not always necessarily linked to environmental impact. Energy and pollution is driven by economic models and consumption patterns, not by population growth. Making and the way you make things is going to have a much larger impact on CO2 emissions than just simply the number of hearts and brains inside of a country. It's what those hearts and brains are doing to sustain themselves that's going to lead to environmental impact. An important part about environmental work or caring about the environment is changing your mind. And I would be remiss to not share that I too have grown as a person over the years and that a lot of the beliefs that I had when I was younger about the environment might not have been the most ethical. Overpopulation is the problem. We need population control to prevent climate change and pollution. There's just, there's way too many people. So you mean you want population control in Asia and Africa? No, uh, that's not what I mean. Well, the majority of population growth is in just nine countries, most of them in Africa and in Asia. Well, no, I I just think the planet as a whole, doesn't matter where you're from, I just think that everybody should be having less kids. Yeah, but population is declining naturally. So you're essentially calling for some kind of racial... No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. I have Asian friends. I I have Filipino friends. I like everybody. There is a lot of controversial pledges happening these days. People are pledging not to fly, pledging not to have children, 
But one uncontroversial pledge that you can make is to Waste Not Why Not's Patreon. You can pledge to give us money and become a Patreon. If you thought that was tone deaf, you can also pledge to become a Patreon and make sure I never say something like that again. The thing that caused me to change my mind from a young population control advocate with no real sense of other people to becoming someone who is hopefully more empathetic and educated was the realization that actually lower income countries contribute less CO2 per person per year. Let's compare the carbon emissions of someone from the U.S. and someone from India. On average, one American emits eight times as much CO2 as one Indian citizen. They have less money to buy things, and therefore they have a lower environmental impact. If you do not have running water in your home, not only does that suck, but it also does not consume any energy. There's another point to consider, and that is the concept of embedded carbon. If someone in India makes a product, and that's solely bound for the U.S. market, are those emissions from or for India? Or are they emissions destined for the U.S.? Because if there was no U.S. market demand for this particular product, it would not be made in India, or in any country for that matter, and would thus avoid all of those emissions. When you take into account embedded carbon, U.S. emissions are 6% higher, and Chinese emissions are 13% lower. When you look at kind of smaller countries or European countries, these differences become enormous. Switzerland's emissions are three times higher once you take into account embedded carbon. And that's because you're not making stuff in Switzerland. You're importing it from other countries and consuming it there. We have an underreporting of emissions or misplacing emissions between countries. So is it fair to blame lower income countries who are producing the goods that are consumed in higher income countries? Is it fair to blame them when that pollution has just been outsourced? One typical response when someone points out per capita carbon emissions is to say that over time, a country like India will have the same or similar consumption patterns to a country like the U.S. or Australia or Canada. Well, it's essentially common knowledge in demographic studies that as income goes up, there is a negative relationship between income and fertility rate. When income increases, birth rates decline then the only way to limit population control beyond what is so-called economically natural would be to legislate it, which would be to create laws that would inevitably be enforced unfairly. In China, during the one-child policy period, if you were rich, you could just pay the fines for having too many kids. But if you were poor, you had to seek out an abortion. Too poor for that, you had to do some pretty nasty things. My spin of context to add to this is that it's well understood that fertility rates go down as women gain independence. When women specifically get more education, get more wealth, have more freedom and autonomy to choose when they can have kids, then the fertility rate goes down. 
if we empower them and give them the choice to not have children, then maybe they won't have five kids. Maybe they'll have one or two or as many as they want, but they won't be dependent on a man to decide how many children they want to have. So if we really want to stop overpopulation, we should just pay women more than men. Take that, Jordan Peterson. Well, okay, yeah, but then when income increases, even though they're having less kids, there's still a lot of them and their CO2 is increasing. So that's, that's worse. They're going to increase their environmental impact. Okay, my snarky, well-informed friend, you're, you're right. As we get more money, we are going to increase carbon emissions. And even though birth rate goes down, that's still going to increase the environmental impact. And we did see that with China. But what really drives the CO2 emissions? If it's not the people, if it's the technology, then we should go after the technology. We're not going to get very good returns on trying to force these draconian or repressive or fascist population control schemes when the root of the problem is technological. So we're just wasting our time if we try and limit how many kids people can have. That's not what's really driving climate change here. It's still vogue today to talk about overpopulation as a driver of climate change. If you boil it down, the real solution to so-called overpopulation is family planning, education, income, improving those things, things that everybody likes, things that everybody truly wants, is the real way. We are missing out on an opportunity to talk seriously about women's rights, about human rights, when we focus our attention too much on overpopulation. Even if you believe that population control is the root cause of environmental problems, just stop saying that. Just, just say you're a feminist. Just say you want to educate young women. Just say you want to economically empower them and keep your racist, weird population control views to yourself. And just work with people who want to make the world a better place. In conclusion, waste not your time worrying about other people's sex lives. Why not worry about the technology destroying our planet? This has been the Waste Not, Why Not podcast. Do you have questions for us? Send us an email to ask at wastenotwhynot.com. You could even do a voice recording. Subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get podcasts. I suggest giving us a good rating. Support us on Patreon. We are Waste Not, Why Not on Patreon and Facebook. This has been a Ghost Island media production. I'm your host, Nature Nate. This episode was produced by Allison Chan, editing by Allison Chan and Thomas Lee. Emily Y. Wu is our executive producer, and brand design by Thomas Lee. We recorded this at MyCoin, a Bitcoin exchange in Taipei, Taiwan. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.